Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Dave Chappelle. Damned if he did, damned if he didn't. As he did the opening monologue of Saturday Night Live, and he dedicated it to anti-Semitism. Now remember... He was very dear friends with Kanye West, a.k.a. Yeezy, a.k.a. Yee. Even went to his mountain cabin and spent days with Kanye West in Montana. In fact, to be perfectly honest, Kanye West's ascent to stardom, I believe, really all, all came about when he was on the Dave Chappelle original comedy show, and he featured Kanye West. So there's been a very tight relationship over the years, through thick and thin, before Baby Got Back, Kim Kardashian, after Baby Got Back, and I'm sure now, too. So he's riffing on the stage about Kanye West going DEFCON 3 against Jews, and then said he went to sleep. And here it is, Dave Chappelle said he was going crazy. What has my friend done? And then in the morning, Kanye West... Wakes up, first thing he tweets out is, hey, I got it like that. Adidas will never drop me like a bad habit for anti-Semitism. And then within hours, Adidas dropped him like a hot rod. First off, it was a hilarious opening monologue. He took cuts at his own friend Kanye West, which is going to cost him. And now Kanye will probably say, oh, Dave Chappelle, man, I thought he was my homie, man. He stabbed me in the back. But then all of a sudden, the Anti-Defamation League that exists only to make money at times over perceived and not necessarily real anti-Semitism, because this is, their, this is how they keep their operation open, are declaring that even though Dave Chappelle is not an anti-Semite himself, he's perpetuating anti-Semitism through comedy. And I say to myself, hold on a second, Anti-Defamation League. When you look at a litany of comedians... In the history of America, many of them were Jewish. Many of them were accused of the very same thing. Lenny Bruce, right? Come on, knock it off. Dave Chappelle is a satirist. He's a comedian. You can go way back to Mark Twain. You can go way back to Will Rogers. Exactly the same thing. Stop this nonsense. This snowflake culture. We can't even have comedy any longer. Can't even have a good belly laugh because somebody out there is going to be offended. Are you out of your mind? What Dave Chappelle said on that stage was said with Jews in the audience. With Lauren Michaels, who is the creator of Saturday Night Live, who, by the way, is Jewish. So please, give me a break, Anti-Defamation League. You're always looking for anti-Semites under the Castro convertible, behind the Castro convertible. This guy is not an anti-Semite. He's a comedian. He's a satirist. And look, I don't agree with him politically. But, I mean, he gave me and so many other people so many belly laughs out there. And guess what? It didn't create within us anti-Semitism or fire up those who are already anti-Semites. Leave it alone, Anti-Defamation League. A battle 
about the here and now and the future of the Republican Party is all taking place in Florida through uh, DeSantis, the new Jack, the flavor of the day, and Donald Trump, the rebel. Even when he was at top as president of the United States, he was considered a rebel. And now it's going to be like two scorpions in a brandy glass, like mixing ammonia and bleach. Trump is in his 70s. DeSantis is in his 40s. So it's almost like the the mentor, the teacher, which Donald Trump was to DeSantis. He boosted DeSantis when DeSantis was running in a Republican primary for the governorship of the state of California. He was a dollar short and a day late to the agricultural commissioner who was way ahead. And then... Donald Trump came about and said, hey, this is my guy, DeSantis, and it propelled him to victory. He barely won against Gilliam, who was the black Democrat running for the governorship of the state of Florida. And he's done a great job since, but he is now deciding this has got to be his move to take out Trump. And let's face it, from a political sense, he's got to do it. He's term limited out. He's not going to be running against little Mario Rubio, Marco Rubio, the next time around for Senate or even Rick Scott. So this is his opportunity, and he's making the move. And when you think of it, where is Ron DeSantis' family originally from? Avellino in Italy. Oh, yeah, you know who else is from Avellino's, whose family is? Rudy Giuliani, the wartime and peacetime consigliere for Donald Trump. Oh, this is so interesting. Roger Stone who is the muckraker extraordinaire for the Republican Party, has been doing this since Richard Nixon, even has a tattoo of Richard Nixon on his back, was the first one to tell Donald Trump he should run for the presidency long ago. Whenever Donald Trump needed dirty work to be done politically, he would turn to Roger Stone. As you know, he pardoned Roger Stone. Roger Stone had a meeting in Mar-a-Lago days ago about the threat of DeSantis. And then all of a sudden, they they settled on a resolution. Roger Stone was invited by the pillow guy to Memphis, Tennessee, where he was doing his TV program. Just four blocks from the Elvis mansion, Roger Stone was in a Ford Expedition with two bodyguards and a driver and got T-boned by an 18-wheel tractor-trailer that has not been seen since. He's lucky to have survived. I'm telling you, I'm pretty sure he picked up the phone and then called 911 first. He called the Donald, and he said the war is on. DeSantis, like Salazar, like the Turk and the Godfather, has begun this political war. Oh, and remember, you should have taken out Roger Stone when you could because he knows where everyone's political bones are buried because Roger Stone lives in the dark side. He is the dark side. He is the grim reaper of politics. I can't wait for them to get it on. Teacher versus student. And the student, DeSantis, is trying to take out the teacher. Haven't we seen this historically way back to Greek mythology? Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan. 
In fact, when you look at the analytics, the first 10 months of the Adams time as mayor, there's been more crime than there ever was in any one month of the eight failed years of Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor of the dope from Park Slope. The worst crime we've had, worse than Bill de Blasio, and that's saying a lot. But now all of a sudden, he's done a pivoting shift. Remember, he was the one that created this concept. It's a perception of crime in the subway, a perception of crime. And who pimped that ride? Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb, who even went so far as to declare that crime and the discussion of crime and the publication of all the videos we see at night in the 5, 6, 7, and 10, and 11 o'clock news, oh, it's a conspiracy. The moment that the midterm elections were over, you open up USA Today, and here's a full-page editorial by a man who continues to do a pivot and shift, as he calls it, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, what I call a flip-flop, flip-flop, tick-tock. Now he's claiming that the Democrats have lost their way, that the route to continued victory is with the blue-collar working class that they have sacrificed up to the Republicans, to the red menace. And he is saying that not enough Democrats are talking law and order. I'm scratching my head and said, just, just a few days ago, before the gubernatorial vote, you were talking about the perception of crime. It's not a reality. And this is typical of the flip-flop of Eric Adams. By the way, he flew off to Puerto Rico to the annual Democratic conference where they get wine-dined and pocket-lined by all these Bitcoin bandits, these cryptocurrency Ponzi schemers, these blockchain criminals who now have a haven in Puerto Rico because it's a tax shelter for them. Before they completely collapsed from greed, what were they doing? They were whining, dining, and pocket-lined Democrats, including Eric Adams. This, this, I mean, the man just has no plan. And then, look, he folded the tent for the illegal aliens in Orchard Beach. He folded the tent uh, for the illegal aliens in uh, Randall's Island. We wasted millions of dollars. Now he has a contract with the Watson Hotel to house 600 illegal aliens, single able-bodied males. Follow the money. Follow the money. Who owns and operates the Watson Hotel? Figure out, have they been contributors to Eric Adams before? Now, and maybe in the future, follow the money, and you'll find out why Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan as our mayor, flip-flops, or as he calls it, pivots and ships almost each and every day. Ah, uh, who is this peckerhead we're looking at? Sam Bankman fried. And man, he is fried. The CEO of FTX, you remember? Remember watching the World Series? All the empires had those little logos, first time ever, FTX, because he had bankrolled that, paid millions of dollars. It wasn't even his, because now all of a sudden, FTX, since November 2nd, has imploded. $18 billion in assets, poof, have disappeared. And where is a man... Well, look at him. Look at, look at him. He looks like a 15-year-old kid at summer camp who just rolled out of the bunk bed, right? All scraggly. Who the hell would be investing millions of dollars in this guy? And who did he leave in charge as he fled the coop? His 28-year-old girlfriend, who is now the CEO of this FDX company that has zero assets. Let's see. Wow. This may well be the biggest ripoff case, white-collar crime, in the history of the United States. And remember, there are other Bitcoin 
bandits out there. There are other cryptocurrency Ponzi schemers and blockchain criminals galore out there. They're all over the world. In fact, when a company gets shook down, when they take control of your emails or they take control of your database, what are the criminals who've done this? What do these shady individuals want to get paid in? Bitcoin. That tells you something right there. Who is the founder of Bitcoin, cryptocurrency? Some Japanese guy that nobody has ever seen. There's one picture of this guy. It's a statue in Bulgaria, the most corrupt country in the world. And that's saying a lot because there are a lot of corrupt countries. So as you look at this 30-year-old guy who looks like a 15-year-old, and you wonder who invested millions of dollars now that he's on the lamp with zero assets, FTX, we don't know if he's on his way to do his last tango in Buenos Aires and Argentina or maybe over into Dubai, but he's on the lamp. And since November 2nd, $18 billion has disappeared. What does that tell you about the Bitcoin industry? You have Mayor Suarez in Miami, the Republican, saying, oh, I'm going to be the first Latino president and I'm going to ride the wave because we're going to become the crypto criminal capital of the world. No regulations. Competing with him is Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, who says, I want the crypto capital, criminal capital of the world to be New York City where there won't be any regulations. Meantime, Puerto Rico has become a haven for the cryptocurrency criminals because they've created a tax shelter for them. Slowly but surely, step by step, this Ponzi scheme is coming unglued. First FTX. Now let's see what other cryptocurrency corporations crumble. And who are the people who said don't trust cryptocurrency to his credit? And I'm a never Trumper. Never supported Trump. I've had a love-hate relationship with the Donald before he was president for 30 years. He said, I only trust paper. Then the sage of Omaha, that's right, the old Altakaka, Warren Buffett said, don't trust cryptocurrency. It's a Ponzi scheme. I only trust paper. And even here at WABC, our owner and operator of our parent company, Red Apple, has said, don't trust cryptocurrency, only trust paper. And then you look at the country of El Salvador, brand new president, who's taken on sort of totalitarian measures to control El Salvador, building a prison for 15,000 members of MS-13, and he decided he was going to flip the currency of El Salvador, a third world country in Central America, away from the peso, away from the dollar, away from the rubles, away from the euro, away from the dinars, away from the yen. And his currency is Bitcoin, cryptocurrency. That country is going to crash. And how many other places around the world were betting on the fact that they would make their money and be able to pull it out before the whole Ponzi scheme would come to an end? Bernie Madoff, right, was considered the greatest white-collar criminal of all time. Move aside, Bernie. Even though you're dead and you went straight to hell without an asbestos suit, and rightfully so, you got a whole wave of hipster and millennial, millennial cryptocurrency Ponzi schemers and Bitcoin bandits who are going to follow you into the bowels of hell.